Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. This is Lynn Pryor, and my co-host is Chris Johnson. Chris, it's good to be with you again for another podcast. Thank you, Lynn. I'm looking forward to this study. Yes, and if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, this is your first time to be a part of the Bible Studies for Life family. We're glad that you're here. And let me just give you a little quick update. Uh, what's going to happen with, with these podcasts? Uh, we, we have a guest with us in a moment. I'll introduce Randy in just a moment. But we're going to just take some time, and we're going to do an overview of where the Bible study is coming, that going through this next week. Just kind of hit some high points. We're just going to have a conversation about it. And this is really for anybody, whether you're the leader of the class, uh, you're just uh, someone who's a participant in the class, you're welcome to join us. But what we'll do at the end of this podcast, about the last five minutes or so, we're going to uh, just talk specifically to the leaders of the group. We're going to just give you some helpful ideas, maybe some tips uh, along the way. But Chris, uh, we have joining us today is Randy Fields. So Randy, thank you for joining us all the way from Grass Valley, California. No, way out here, isn't it? As far as far west as you can go, almost. Well, San Francisco is about two and a half hours, still west of us. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. It is a snowy day outside. At least that's what they're predicting. It's rather cold, <laughs> so it will start snowing eventually here today, I'm sure. But uh, nonetheless, we are situated in the Sierra Foothills, about an hour, hour and 15 from Lake Tahoe. And uh, I was asked earlier by Chris if I knew anything other than California, and the answer is no. I've, I've had the privilege of ministering in California now since 1986 in churches from San Diego to Wairica, um, the L.A. Basin area, and then here in Grass Valley um, the last 17 years. I spent uh, 20 years in student ministry, uh, along as music and worship and mixed in that, and now um, lead pastor for the last 17 years here in Grass Valley. So um, been a, a great journey and I do it all over again. That is great. Randy, uh, Randy and I go back. Uh, we were just thinking it's probably been about 25 years. We've uh, both my role at Lifeway and your role is in, we were in student work together. Right. Uh, but uh, gosh, we go back. A back long when you were both young. Yes. Uh, yeah, back when right. young. <laughs> no gray hair on the head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. But uh, Randy's joining us for this podcast because the study we're going to be doing for the next seven weeks, The Church God Desires, Randy wrote this particular study uh, that uh, helps us look at Revelation 2 and 3. So, Randy, again, thank you for being a part of this. My privilege. My privilege. It was a, a, a great study for me personally as well, too. So, you know, it's a, I guess an advantage of doing writing is you get to study <laughs> first. So that's a good thing. Oh, that's right. So, Lynn mentioned that our, our study is focused on uh, the book of Revelation, uh, chapters two and three. And uh, these um, two chapters um, it involve seven specific churches that, the, uh, that John writes to uh, with some specific messages, some teaching, uh, some things that Jesus has to say directly to uh, the churches. Uh, we get into some of the uh, kind of symbolism and some of the uh, interesting language of Revelation, uh, but uh, these two chapters are very distinct from the rest of Re Revelation. Would you guys agree with that? I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, it sure is. Just uh, John's writing there is just uh, pinpoints, you know, messages not just to those seven churches, but are still very relative today to our churches um, here in America and around the globe. And Randy, I think that's a valid point as we're in our groups talking about this to not just say, okay, well, let's look at what happened in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. But with, with Ephesus, each of the churches, we go, okay, what is God telling our church, our specific local congregation, as we unpack this? 
Yeah, it's extremely relevant. I thought Randy did a great job of focusing in on those things. One of the things that we're going to try to highlight each week is that the pattern that John used in writing was to, to in most of the churches, he would say, uh, I know your works. I want to compliment you on some things as a church that you do very well. In most of the churches, he'll say, but I have this against you. Uh, there's something negative where there's a rebuke. So we want to be aware that that, that, that pattern uh, is consistent in chapters two and three as he addresses these seven churches. Right. So as we look at this first church, we're going to be looking at the church of Ephesus. Um, and, and this was uh, where Ephesus was located was kind of the crossroads of civilization for them. A uh, home uh, temple of Diana was there. It was a, a center for fertility worship, center for a lot of pagan religions. Uh, so just kind of keep that in mind as we, we look at this passage. Uh, but as we look at the church of Ephesus, we want to kind of focus on uh, the point we're going to drive at is this, that we should ground everything we do in love for Christ. And as we look at the church of Ephesus, we'll see why that was an issue. But uh, let me say that again. We need to ground everything we do in love for Christ. So it sounds like that the church of, of Ephesus and all, all of these seven churches, uh, they seem like there is some connectedness. They were, they were tied together by trade routes. Uh, one of the things that was interesting to me, Lynn, is that I didn't know was that uh, there, were, there were Roman uh, milestones uh, counting the distance uh, from Ephesus. So it's kind of like we have mile markers on our interstate that say, you know, this is where, where you are. There were, there were mile markers, so to speak, that said, this is how far you are from Ephesus. So I thought that was interesting to know. Right. Also, it's interesting to note that uh, obviously uh, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. So there was a strong connection there and he, he went there. John spent a great uh, many years of his ministry uh, in Ephesus. So uh this city and this church had significance um, in, from a biblical perspective. All right. Well, let me just jump into the passage then. Uh, let me just, uh, let's look at Revelation 2. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, uh, where it says, Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks along the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who've called themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardship for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. So right there, right out of the gate, we see uh, John speak about uh, Jesus' words. I know your works. I know your labor and your endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. Um, I know that you have persevered um, and endured hardship. So very complimentary of these aspects of the people in the church at Ephesus. I mean, they were good people. They were doing good things. They were ministering there in the town of Ephesus, even under um, all I think would be duress situations, even like churches today, but they were doing their best to do what they knew how to do and to minister and to serve and to do those things. Yeah, they were highly commended in everything they did. Uh, I mean, they yeah, just they were. If, if you just stopped with verse three, you're going to say, man, this is a solid. I want to be like this church. But when you come to the next verse, verse four, this is where the but comes in. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And so it's like they were doing all these good things, 
but their motivation was gone. So, Randy, you tell us about a guy you use a fella in your church as kind of a, a, a thread that runs through this passage. A guy right. who was who came to Christ. You want to tell us about that guy a little bit? Yeah, he was a a great guy, and uh, he had come to know the Lord and got excited about serving Him, and uh, you know he continued on his journey in the church, and then finally got to a point where ultimately the serving was above the love. He felt like, well, if I don't serve, nobody else is going to do it. You know, it's kind of like the proverbial question the pastor raises, okay, who wants to work in the nursery? And nobody wants <laughs> right. to do it. And so he just like, okay, I'll do it because that's what he thought he had to do to manifest his love back to God. And ultimately he became quite discouraged, you know, the, the whole journey there. But then ultimately he was reminded that it, it, it is about love and loving Christ first and serving Christ first. And then those other things are an outcome of that. And so, you know, I'm very pleased to still in contact with that gentleman. He still loves the Lord, still serving in the church. Um, and I'm hoping he's not in my church now, but he, he's still a friend that he's doing it because his love for Christ is, is exemplified. So I think for most people who, uh, who dive into the study, who know anything about the seven churches or about uh, this pe- portion of the scripture, this whole losing your first love idea is going to be one of the one of the more familiar uh passages out of the ones that we look at do you think so lynn oh i think so and chris i think one reason we remember so it resonates with us because we have all let's admit it we've all been in that role where our love has waned Uh, you know of course randy you're pastoring now chris and i have served in those roles and you just get into the uh please don't this is going to sound very unspiritual the drudgery of ministry you know, just right. that root. And you know what you need to do. You know what's right to do. But the love starts to just kind of take a back seat. Yeah. That's, and I think that's, that's when the, the, the checklist effect gets put into place. You know, I, it, you know, looking back on my life, I know those checklists at several times in, in oh, the last yeah. 40 years, those have become the prominent thing in saying, instead of saying, God, you're first, I love you first, forget this other stuff. It's about you and me first. So um, unfortunately, I think there's still too many people to do that again today. You know, it, it's just natural for us, I think. And that's why for me, this passage is a good reminder. No, keep going back. Why were you doing this to begin with? Yep. Keep coming back to that. Yep. So that reminder, and we, we need it, and the folks who are listening to this need to be reminded that of first importance, what's most important is that relationship that we have with the Lord and, and our walk with him, that that needs to be priority in our lives. Yeah. Now, I, let me suggest, too, that uh, you, when you get in your group and you're talking with the, the other guys or the, the, whoever you're meeting with, there's a great question there to, to just chase down is how can we keep love for Christ? the highest priority. I mean, I think that's something we ought to talk about, maybe because we can encourage each other. How do I keep love for Christ first place? I think it comes down to that, putting that daily relationship above anything else. You know, I know as a pastor, the, the days can get by, but if I don't take that time for me to spend in my relationship with God, then ultimately none of that other stuff matters. And I think it's the same for anybody who calls himself a follower of Christ. If that's not the top priority every day, and we have to make it a priority every day. You can't skip a day. You know, we were talking before we started, you know, how the whole COVID thing is so many people are just staying home. It's the same effect. Well, I can skip my, I can skip my time today. I got too many things on the agenda. And then it becomes easier the second day and the third day. And then ultimately they're 
they're like this church. They're not there. Their first love sure. is gone. When I was in seminary, when I uh, 300 years ago, when I was in seminary, <laughs> I, that's actually when I developed the habit of, of a quiet time. And, you know, of course, you know, in school, I'm studying, I'm, I'm working, doing all this, but I thought, man, I can't wait till I get on church staff. And th- this is just, I won't have all these other things to deal with. And my quiet time is just going to be, man, it's going to be phenomenal. But when I got out and actually started serving full-time at a church, that was the hardest struggle for me to have a quiet time because of all the, the ministry, all the good things I had to do. But I let that time with Christ, I was always tempted to let it take second place. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, you look at the whole passage there in, in this in Revelation 2, that's the overlying principle there. You know, we, we allow so many things to get in and put in place instead of our relationship with God. And, you know, John comes back and he says, you're doing these things, but you got to get back to where he is first place. Um, it, one of the... It, I put in there and it was one of the things that really stood out to me was I can't help but wonder how many churches today, the people of God, not the buildings are standing in the same place that they were five, 10, 15 years ago as an early believer, because they've allowed those things. They came to Christ. They were excited and they got in there. They jumped in there. They loved him with all their heart, mind, strength, soul. But then all these things have waylaid and they're not any farther along in the relationship than they were several years ago. That's right. And I, I like having people in my church where I'm pastoring right now, share testimonies. And of course, they, they want to talk about how they came to faith in Christ, which is good. But what I really want to hear about is, hey, tell us what Christ is doing right now. And right now. And I, and I get concerned when there's that little bit of hesitancy. They got it. Well, what is Christ doing in my life? You know, so but th- that's a valid point. It's it's a, that love for Christ. It's got to be a day by day thing for us. Absolutely. And I think, again, this is the value of being in a, a group Bible study because all of us can be, we could be sitting here and reading, Randy, what you've written here and go, yeah, I need to, I need to recapture that first love. But when I get with a group of, of, of couples, men, women, whatever our group is, and we begin to, okay, how can we help each other? And I can learn from what you're doing that's helped you to rekindle or keep your love for Christ strong. That encourages me. And I think, again, that's the value of being in a group as we talk about this together. And I think that also emphasizes there, you know, you get down into verse seven, when he says, let anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear, let him, let him listen. We've got to listen to others because that is that encouragement to us. And I think part of that, you know, yeah, we got to listen to what the Spirit's telling us, but we also listen to others, too, and get encouraged from them and their walks. So, that's yeah, right. I mean, you're, you're right on. That's one of the key ways the spirit speaks to us is through the church, through other believers. Well, that's where we, that's where we wrap this up to where we get to verse seven, Uh, just where he says, let everyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the spirit says to the churches and to the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. There's just that reminder for us to know that one day you're going to be with Christ forever. That promise of eternal life is such a strong emphasis for us. And we see that throughout uh, John's writing in this passage. But it's interesting that he 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 just circles back around. Listen, pay attention. Uh, and I think you pointed this out really well. Um, 
Randy, when you were writing that, that there's so many times that we as parents are our, our, or remember our parents saying, listen, listen to me now, listen, this is important. And it's almost like he's given that kind of emphasis uh, for, for the churches. Pay attention now. I want you to hear this. I want you to get this. Yeah, I was uh, reminded as I was rereading the session that there was a lady in our church who always, when her t- kids were teenagers, she would always say, now, here's what I'm about to tell you. And she would tell them and then she'd say, OK, so what did you and she'd make them repeat? OK, so what did you just hear me say? And I think that's it. That's exactly what he's doing here. What did you just hear me say? You know, we've just talked about it, but what did you just hear me say? Because that's if you were good. listening, you're going to key into it. And so, you know, again, I laughed at it. I remember that lady quite well because that was a great lesson for uh, my wife and I as our kids were just about to be teenagers. So, uh, but John says it very well there. I wonder cool. if I can try that with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> tell us how that tell, tell, hey, tell us how that works. That goes, uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one of the things that that we try to do in each of these sessions is to close it out by making that uh, that comparison between. Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus in this passage and aligning it with our church. So what are some ways, this is the question that's asked, what are some ways our church is like the church at Ephesus? So it, it, it kind of helps us to zone in to applying the principles uh, of this passage to our church. So are, do we get caught up in being busy and doing all the stuff and not focusing in on our relationship? That would be a good I think a good conversation for individuals and for people to talk about as they consider their church. I think if they look at, I know for us here, you know, we looked at uh, just as I was writing this, actually, you know, what are we doing that we don't need to be doing? You know, we're, you know, they say Baptists are great at starting stuff, but not, not stopping stuff. <laughs> and I think so many times we start stuff with a good intention and then we just keep doing it because, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Well, that's, what the trap was here at Ephesus is the same thing. If it's not doing what God intends it to do, then maybe it doesn't need to be done anymore, but it still comes back to replacing all those things with, we got to come back to our true love and is our true love with Christ. And so, you know, I think taking a look at what we do on a daily basis as individuals and as a church um, is very viable in this situation to discover where is my first love? If Christ were to come and to have a toe-to-toe, knee-to-knee, face-to-face conversation with me right now, mm. would he tell me the same thing? You've lost your first love. Wow. That's good. Thanks, Randy. That's, that's, that's very motivating for me. Thank you. Good way to conclude this first session. So thank you, Randy, for that. Uh, Randy's going to be with us in a couple of weeks when we talk about one of the other churches. So we're looking forward to that. We want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast today and hope that it's helpful to you as you as you consider these churches um, in the church in in Revelation, that this would be a good kickoff for your group. And so we appreciate you listening. Lynn mentioned earlier that a part of the pattern that we have is we want to take a moment to express our appreciation to those of you who lead groups and give you some help. So Lynn has a, a, a word of, uh, of, of advice and uh, uh, some points for you okay. uh, as, as leaders. Sure. And as we've been talking about how we're wrapping up the session, leaders, let me encourage you, exhort you, beg and plead to do this at the end of your session. Leave time to talk about that application. A lot of times we're getting deep into a really good study and the dialogue is good. And 
time's up. You know, the group's got to leave. Maybe it's you got to go to the worship service. Make sure you, you allow some time to talk about, okay, what do we do with this? How do we live this out? Uh, you got the personal study guide. You'll see on the last page of the session, Randy has provided us some, some uh, three application ideas just to the, for us as individuals to think, what can I do with this? Uh, take some time each week to spend time alone with God. As a leader, let's encourage our folks to follow through with that uh, or to make a list of ways maybe God has revealed his love uh, and really think through how can I rekindle my love for him. Randy's given some great doable, practical suggestions. So don't leave your group hanging. Just allow them some time to look at that. Randy, thanks again for being with us, man. We appreciate you writing this and thanks for, for your input. You got any last words for us? It's, uh, it's always a joy. And, uh, you know, I, I, st- I claim God's word when he says it does not return void. So, you know, as a writer, you never know who sees these things. And, but I know God uses it to touch me first. And so I just claim that promise. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for writing. Thanks for being with us on the podcast today. And again, Absolutely. thank you guys for listening to the podcast uh, from, for Bible Studies for Life Adult. And we look forward to you joining with us the next time.